Hey, good morning. Jesus Christ is alive. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Ralph, it's good to see they let you out today to come. Uh, Ralph Isham. You never know who's going to show up at church on an Easter. Yeah, the door was up. Yeah, yeah. It's so good to be here. This is a great day. I have some pastor friends, obviously, in the area, and there was about 15 of us on a text that I'd started today. And one of the guys texted back, and he says, I can't believe we get to do this. And, man, I thought, that is right. We get the opportunity to proclaim Jesus Christ. What an incredible privilege to, uh, to do this. I want to, uh, just before I get into the message, as James and Emily come down the center aisle, uh, that uh, I just want to say a couple of thank yous. First of all, to our worship team. This is their third uh, opportunity to lead worship today. So I just want to bless our worship team. <clears throat> and um, also, uh, our children's ministry just has done a <clears throat> knockout job today, Sam and, and Jenny. And so if you see them, make sure you tell them thanks for just the service that they have done today. But uh, we get opportunity to lift up Jesus Christ in here through His Word on this Resurrection Sunday. I want to I start with this. God loves you. I, let that sink in just a second. God loves you. And, and it's an individual. Yeah, we think God loves us, but no, God loves you. And, and get this, He accepts you. I know most of us live within our skin and we think, oh, there's not a whole lot that's worthy in there. But I want you to know he loves you and he accepts you. And, uh, and I, I wore my Marion and Berrien suit today. And uh, there's a reason um, that uh, we're going to celebrate a, a, a wedding, not uh, a wedding of few humans, but we're going to look at the the marriage of, of Jesus Christ to his bride, the church, here in just a little bit. But uh, I, so I wore my Marion and Berrien suit, and, and, and uh, I don't wear it very often uh, unless I'm Marion or Berrien. And uh, I, I, I did a funeral <clears throat> one day, and I had to go make a hospital visit right after the funeral. And uh, I walked in on the church member, and they thought, oh man, it's worse than I thought. <laughs> And so, uh, but that, I have a reason uh, for, for wearing it today. And in fact, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. It's a strange place for us to go on Resurrection Sunday, but we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians was a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. Uh, it is broke down into the first half as more doctrinal stuff, and then the last half is more practical living. And I want us to look at a particular element of that that's going to be so important for us today. But I wanted to do something else uh, uh, first. Um, I have an objective today. 
And the objective is not reachable by me, but it's an objective that I think the Lord has for us today. And it's, and it's this. I want to so magnify Jesus that He becomes the gaze of your life. And, and let me give you a thought. We live in a day where TVs are, are so abundant that your, your house may have several TVs in it. Um, and I know somebody's going to say, well, Mark, we don't have a TV at all, and, and so this doesn't make sense to you. But, uh, but most people have multiple TVs in their house. You may have a family room, sitting room, where you have it, and everything faces the TV. But we live in a day where certain people have a TV or a monitor in their kitchen even, and they just so they can glance at it, it's smaller, they can glance at it because they're in their cooking. They will glance to keep up with a movie or, or the sporting event, whatever they're watching. They will just glance at it every now and then. Here's, here's my objective. I think, I'll start with this. I think I'm guilty. I think we're guilty. Our country is even guilty of we look at Easter, we look at Resurrection Sunday, and for that weekend, Jesus gets our glance instead of getting our gaze. See, there's a difference. We, we have to glance at this world, but can we have our gaze on Jesus Christ who is real, the resurrected King? Can we put our gaze on Him and then glance at the things of the world that we have to glance at. So it's a, it's a big objective to get, Lord, can we get our gaze on you and not just a glance today? And uh, before I open the Scriptures, many of you grew up watching Sesame Street or your kids grew up watching Sesame Street. You remember the part that one of these things is not like the other? Uh, we're going to play that uh, today. I have some pictures that I'm going to display. This is the, uh, the burial site and the remains of the Buddha right there. This is the remains of Muhammad, and they're there to worship him. Uh, this is the remains of Abraham, the, the patriarch of our faith, Abraham. And this, I thought I'd put a modern-day one in, uh, atheist Stephen Hawking. This is the remains uh, of Stephen Hawking. One more. This is the uh, empty tomb of Jesus. Which of these things is not like the other? We serve a risen Savior. That, uh, that tomb is empty where I can tell you I can go find... Buddha's remains, Muhammad's remains, Stephen Hawking's remains, Abraham's remains, but there is no bones uh, for Jesus to be seen. Amen. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Um, we have been walking through what's called the Apostles' Creed, and today we come to uh, uh, a very important part that the resurrection, if not for the resurrection, we don't exist. Ephesians 5, 
verse 22 through verse 33. And you're going I'm going to read this and you're going to think, Mark, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure you hit, hit it right here, but I promise you I know what I'm talking about. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. I want to read that verse 32 one more time. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Now, we read that text, and you go to most commentaries, and you look at what they say, 99% of the time they're going to refer to, and it's, it, it's great to refer to this, about the marriage of a man to a woman. I mean, it's the greatest treatise in the Scripture when it talks about Christian marriage. But... What else is he dealing with? He's dealing with this great mystery, which is Christ and the church. And so I want to just for a few minutes see how this resurrection, the resurrected king, affects the relationship of him to his people, which is his church. Now, as we've talked through the Apostles' Creed, we've said today is the one that says, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Now, some of you are thinking, especially at the end, I, I kind of chuckled. I, I mentioned Catholic, and then at the end, Chris was going to make, he, he used bingo in his announcement. I thought, man, Catholic and bingo, we got it going uh, right here. Some of you are not snickering. Uh, but Catholic is not referring to an expression of the faith it, this is what Catholic means. It means universal, broad, or diverse. So when we talk about the Catholic Church, we're not talking about an expression of the faith. We're talking about universal, diverse, broad. That's what we're talking about. So when we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, well, what does the term church mean? Church is the called out ones. Those that have responded by faith to Jesus Christ, make up the church. So what we're talking about is we're talking about, I believe in God's church, which is holy and universal and broad and diverse. 
those that are called out to follow him. And so this is what we're going to talk about, how that the, the bridegroom, Jesus, loves his bride in such an incredible way. But let me, let me refer to the marriage part just a moment, even though this is in a, is in a sermon on marriage. But what is Paul saying? So imagine this. Imagine a perfect groom sacrificially bestows unconditional love upon his bride. She mutually submits to him and honors him. He nourishes and cherishes her, and she reciprocates that love and honor back to him. And they display a oneness that is beyond anything the world can reproduce. And this is God's picture of marriage. Now, before you wives elbow your husband, that is the ultimate standard of what God longs for in a, in a, hu- in a human way of a man and a woman coming together for marriage. But you've got to understand, the picture of marriage between a man and a woman is an earthly representation of a much bigger view that God has. He ultimately has a view of sacrificial love of Jesus for his bride, the church. And so, no wonder that the uh, marriages are so much under attack today because if they're to resemble the relationship between Jesus and his bride, the church, if you can't keep it together on a human level, what's to say that God, who we do not see, we see the results of, we do not see, how do we believe he can keep his covenant with us as well. But what does this look like? So you've got Jesus who came, and the scripture says he sacrificially loves his bride, the church, and as undeserving as we are. He came and he loved sacrificially. And so he cherishes and nourishes the church so that we grow into maturity and wholesome. We respond by submitting and yielding ourselves to Him, and we seek to live our, our lives in honor of Him, and a oneness develops that makes the world stand up and take notice. Now, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, so I want you to grab this. We have a Savior that came perfect. He gave His life ultimately for us. We respond back in a submission in a yielding kind of way, and we see a oneness between God and us, His resurrected power living through us, that it becomes attractive to this world. Now, we see that messed up all the time. We, we understand that we live in a day that marriage is not held highly. Why is it not held highly? Maybe we've made a mockery of it at so many levels. But when marriage is dissolving, it reflects back on Jesus Christ. But what I want to talk about is I want to talk about this resurrected power of Jesus Christ within the church. And I'm going to to make three quick points. They'll be on the screen, but I want you to see this. Number one is this. The church is not a bunch of buildings. You know, uh, sometimes people will say, where's the church? And so I can say it's 301 North Lake Creek Drive, or it's across the street 
from Round Rock High School. You know, using some landmark that people want to know where the church is. But you know, that's not in reality. So the part of me wants to say, when somebody says, where is central, to say, oh, some of them are in different schools in the area. Some of them are in different uh, workplaces in the area. Some are in Austin, some are in Georgetown, some are in Round Rock, Hutto. They're different places. Some are at the soccer fields, some are at the baseball fields, some are uh, shopping at Walmart or HEB. You know, it's not buildings, it's people. We, you, you make up the people. So we had people at 8.15 today, we had people at 9.30 today, we have you at 11 o'clock, we had some people that are traveling, some people that are away today, but you are the body of Christ known as Central. It's not buildings. These buildings, I, 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 these buildings are great. And when, when we first came together, all that existed was that front little building, and so we've seen God be able to expand this campus. But these are the tools, and they're not going to last forever, I promise you. They're, they're going to crumble. They will not be here anymore. And so what I want to get across to you is the church is so much more than we think. It was beautiful Friday night that you that came to the Good Friday service just to be out there with the big C body of Christ. It, it just was a beautiful picture, multicolored, multi expressions, just loving Jesus together. It's not buildings. It's not buildings, but it's so much bigger than that. It is the body of Christ. So number one, the church is not a bunch of buildings. Number two, Jesus was willing to give His all for the church. Let me say that again. Jesus was willing to give His all for the church. He didn't come to organize a religious system. He didn't come to set up uh, services or a bunch of rules and regulations. That's not why He came. He came to bring life to dead people is what He came to do. And He came to give His all. He didn't just give part. He gave His all. And I know you're like me. You're thinking, I'm not worthy of that kind of love. I, I'm undeserving of that kind of love. And some of you are, have pride errors. You think, oh yeah, I can see why he came for me. No, no, you miss it. We're all unworthy. We're all undeserving. And yet he came to give his all for you and me. And he came not only to give his life, but to give his very uh, being for us. Pam and I last night were watching The Passion of the Christ just, just to reflect, give a visual once again of what Jesus went through. And, uh, you know, it's very gruesome, but, but uh, from what I understand and reading everything about crucifixion, that the Persians <coughs> established crucifixion to put you off the ground because the world was not worthy of you. And so the, the pain was excruciating. The Romans perfected it. But Jesus was willing to go through that for us, as undeserving as we are. Some of you know the story of Johnny Lingo. If you don't know the story of Johnny Lingo, I'm going to tell you the story of Johnny Lingo. But there was a, a journalist who went to some South Pacific islands because he wanted to travel the islands 
and write about the people. And so he knew when he got there, he was going to need a guide and was going to need all the resources to make his travels. So he went asking people, where would a guide be and somebody that can get the resources for him? And as he traveled around, he heard repeatedly, you need to go to Johnny Lingo. Johnny Lingo knows the islands. He can get your resources. He's the guy you need to go to. But then they would start snickering about Johnny Lingo. He'd go to somebody else and, uh, and he would ask them, oh, you need to go Johnny Lingo. He can help you. He knows the islands completely. And, uh, but then they would start snickering and laughing. And he said, what's the deal? What's the deal about Johnny Lingo? And said, oh, Johnny Lingo, he's, he's not all there. He said, uh, uh, he paid eight cows for a, a, a bride. And he said, explain that to me. He said, well, uh, if a father has a daughter, he, they get a dowry in cows from some guy that wants to marry the daughter. If she's pretty and, and uh, talented, you know, five cows maybe uh, that, that he, w- he would get. And, and if he's kind of plain and doesn't really have a, a, a lot of talent, maybe two cows, maybe three at the most, but, but uh, not eight cows. Man, this dad took advantage of Johnny Lingo. And so the guy's not knowing what to think, so he, they said, where's Johnny? And he said, He's at uh, the next island. You can just go over there and, and uh, ask anybody. They'll know where Johnny Lingo is. So he went oh, over there and he asked, where's Johnny Lingo? And they said, oh, his house is up, up here. And so he goes to the house, knocks on the door. Johnny answers the door and he says, come on in. You're, you're Johnny Lingo? Yeah. Yeah, they told me on the other island that uh, you could be my guide and and get my supplies and everything. He said, oh oh, yeah, I can help you. And as they're talking, this lady walks into the house and she is drop dead gorgeous. She's got grace and and she just handles herself so well. She pours them a drink. She's so articulate in her speaking, just tons of confidence. She's just beautiful and she leaves the room and Johnny said, well, that's my wife. And the guy said, there's no way. said, you know what they're saying about you at the main island? They're saying you're crazy. That her dad took advantage of you. That there has never been eight cows to purchase a, a bride before. And you paid eight bucks, uh, eight cows. And, and, and here you are. And said, what, what made the difference? He said, eight cows. You see, she, can you imagine the other ladies talking how much, I cost two cows, I cost three cows. But imagine Johnny Lingo's wife, just the, the incredible honor of somebody paying eight cows. She became an eight cow wife. Don't use that, husband. <laughs> but she became an eight cow wife. Here's the deal. As undeserving and unworthy as we are, Jesus loves us anyway. And He came to give His all for us. So the church is not a bunch of buildings. Jesus gave His all for the church. And the third point is this. 
The church's main goal is to display His love to the world. Let me read that one more time. The church's main goal is to display His love to the world. You see, we, by the power of His Spirit, as we are indwelt with the resurrected power of Jesus Christ, we display that love to a fallen world. You see, we should be attractive to the world. But you know, that's not the case today. And when the world looks at the church and we're not displaying the love of Christ, they believe either we don't have it or we don't know Him. And so that's what they see. Because we talk about the love of Christ and we are displaying the love of Christ, as He as He replenishes us, as He nourishes us, as He cherishes us, we become more mature in our faith and we display an attractiveness to this world. We display Him. And the term I use is we ought to be Christ intoxicated. We ought to be uh, Jesus-centered people. He ought to be our gaze instead of just an occasional glance. Because He paid the ultimate price for us. I I found something that uh, I want to read to you. It was an article written in 2013 in HuffingtonPost.com. It was published under an anonymous author who simply wrote, An Unappreciated Pastor. But this is what the article says, and I want to read it to you, thinking about the church as the bride of Christ. Hello, my name is Church. I'm sure you've heard a lot about me. I have no shortage of critics. Perhaps you have heard that I am boring, shallow, cheap, a waste of time. You've heard that I am full of hypocrites, clowns, greedy people, the self-righteous. Maybe you have visited me and discovered horrible music, passionless singing, dry preaching, rude members. Maybe you needed me, and I was too busy, too righteous, too broke, too blind. Maybe you joined me and found I was distant, demanding, dull, preoccupied. Maybe you tried to serve in me, but were caught off guard by business meetings, committees, teams, bureaucracy. Maybe you left and were surprised that nobody called, cared, noticed, invited you back. Perhaps your experience has driven you to speak negatively of me, swear to never come back to me, proclaim that no one needs me, believe you're better off without me. If this is true, I have something to say to you. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I blew it. I made a huge mistake. But remember, I never said my name was perfect, flawless, complete, arrived. My name is Church. I welcome the hypocrite, dry, self-righteous, shallow. I welcome the sincere, passionate, forgiving, selfless. I cannot shut my doors to the people who make you angry, uncomfortable, impatient, self-conscious. But I would remind you that we couldn't always worship in the same room. In the Old Testament, there was a division between Gentile, Jew, man, woman. 
In order for us all to worship in the same room, Christ was shamed, beaten, killed, resurrected, which is far worse than being bored, uncomfortable, embarrassed, ignored. So why not come back to church and let all of these messed up people challenge you, sharpen you, strengthen you, humble you. I can't promise you that the people will be great. This is church. It's not heaven, paradise, Beulah land, the celestial city. Come back. God wants you here. The body needs you here. The world needs your witness here. You belong here. Hello, my name is Church. I miss you. I love you. I'm sorry. Can't wait to see you. Isn't that good? I mean, we're not perfect, but Jesus is nourishing us and cherishing us so that He may have a spotless bride. I, I'm wrapping up. You know, I... I have the privilege of being involved in a lot of funerals and uh, more funerals and weddings these days. But, but uh, in fact, I've been with a lot of you and family members that passed. When a someone passes and and uh, their spirit departs, they either are embalmed or uh, cremated, one or the other, and. Uh, they're either buried or their cremation ashes are put somewhere and uh, are scattered. But they, whether there's a body or ashes, they call those the remains, right? The remains. And uh, because this is what remains of what once was. You know, Jesus walked this earth, he was crucified. He gave his all, he was buried, he rose from the dead, which we celebrate today. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. You know what you and I are? The remains. We're not lifeless remains. We are indwelt by his very spirit. And when people look at us as diverse as we are, as universal as we are, they ought to see Jesus. And we can't do that without His resurrected power. I want you to bow your heads with me just a moment.